are now listening to the Build a Brain podcast with Dr. Jeannie Zayer. Join the quest to shape an efficient brain that fires on all cylinders and runs like a fine-tuned machine. You are now in the capable hands of an international presenter and a pathologically optimistic brain builder. Dr. Zaire will give you the right blocks to build that three pounds of cerebral muscle for you, your child, or the young adult you teach or mentor. Block by block, thought by thought, now is the time to build a better brain. Let's get started. Welcome, friends, to episode number 44 of Build a Brain. We have been journeying through the parameters of mediation as identified by Professor Reuven Feuerstein, and I can't believe it, but we are on the last parameter of mediation. So this is, I think, going to wrap up season two. It's a short season, but this idea of how do we interact with one another to elicit the best cognitive changes, the positive uh, thinking changes that we want to see, whether it's in our friends or in ourselves or the children that are in our home or students, if you're a classroom teacher. So Reuven had so much good to share. It's just, I'm, a, I'm at a loss for words. I'm sitting here trying to, how do I sum up what this man uh, provided us in the world? And he, he just is a gift to humanity. He gave us so many good things to think about with how we interact with other people. And today's topic is going to be the sense of belonging. And I think it's such a beautiful one to wrap up this season with because Um, Listeners, I bet that there has been a time or a place when you were the new kid at school. My parents decided to move a whole one hour, but it was from Ohio to Indiana, and I was at the sweet age of 13. So I thought my life was ruined. My parents were going to ruin me because how was I going to make new friends? I had to leave the best friends, the only friends I had known for 13 years. Probably one of the biggest painful episodes of that move was I had to sell my pony. We lived on a little five-acre mini farm in Ohio, and I had begged and begged and begged for a horse or a pony. And finally, my dad let me have one, and I only got to have him for probably about three years before we moved. And I was just devastated. I had to give up my pony. So anyway, this idea of feeling like I belong... So Kibway and I were having a deep discussion about how you sometimes spend your entire lifetime trying to feel like I belong. Like, am I really a part of this church? Am I really a part of this family? Am I accepted at work? Do the people at work really hear me and do my ideas count? I was a school principal for several years, and we happened to have a lot of turnover in our school. Every week, I was welcoming a new student. 
and I was often saying goodbye to other students who were going to be moving because mom couldn't afford the rent anymore. And so she was going to move to a different apartment and it meant this child would have to move to a different school. So I would have kids move into my school that had, I would ask them, honey, do you know how many schools you've been? And they'd get their fingers out and they'd start trying to count how many schools they had been in. Sometimes it was three, sometimes it was five different schools. And here they're they're only in third grade and they've maybe been in three or four schools. So I I knew that I had some work cut out for me because I had learned enough Feuerstein to know how critical this sense of belonging is. If I don't feel I'm a part of this classroom, why should I talk? Why should I share my thoughts? Why should I do these assignments? Um, some kids do, are, are just automatically obedient. But I also had some children who <laughs> would move into the school and the first week on the playground, they would be in a fight. And they'd come to, of course, I'm the principal, so they'd come to my office and and I didn't chew them out. I would just say, tell me what happened. I'd mediate it. And, and I would discover that there was someone that was looking at them funny. They didn't like how they were being looked at. And I'd say, oh, can you, can you tell me the name of that, that student? No, I don't know. They didn't even know the name of the kid that was giving them the funny look. And so I thought, okay, so the teachers and I worked really hard at making sure a new child learned the names of all the children in the classroom. Because if I could know everybody, then they're not just a face that's making a funny face at me on the playground. You know, that's that's Giorgio or that's Anwar. That's somebody that has a name. It's a person. And then I trained two kids in every classroom to be the welcome committee. And it was a boy and a girl in every classroom. And I gave them a special folder and I gave them training in how to take care of a new classmate. And so they would give them a royal tour of the school. They'd introduce them to the the cafeteria the cafeteria manager and the head custodian, and they'd show them where the gym was in the music room. They would introduce them to every staff member, show them how to get anywhere they needed to get in the building. And of course, they loved it. They loved this. It was like a status job, you know, to be the welcome committee. For one thing, you got out of class for like an hour every week because you were given you were given the new kid the royal tour of the school. But I gave them one more assignment. I said, not only are you going to give them a tour of the school, but every day at recess for two weeks, you're going to be their friend on the playground. And you're going to include them on whatever game you're playing or whatever you, you were doing. And they loved it. They loved having this, you know, status job of I'm going to, I'm going to be the new kid's best friend and I'm going to take care of her. Or I'm going to take care of him. For those of you that are listening that are teachers, guess what else that impacts? It's going to improve academics because you cannot learn in a situation where you have fear. 
And if you're the new kid, which I remember being, I was a freshman at a new high school and I was terrified because I didn't know anybody. I had to find lockers. I It was an enormous school compared to where I'd come from in a little tiny town in Ohio. And I knew that school building upside down and backwards. And now here I was in this new giant school. So remember that children will do better academically if they have a sense of belonging. When you're in a new school, a new situation, a new job, uh, you don't know what is safe and what isn't. And so always looking for that friendly face. So those of us listening to this podcast, we need to remember that somebody new, whether they're new at your workplace or new at your church or synagogue or new at, uh, or in your family. I have a lot of families that we help at MindCap that are foster parents. And so they're always bringing in a new child into the family. And a lot of foster parents have a wonderful way about making sure that this new child feels like they belong in this family. It's safe here. You're going to be safe and we're going to take care of you. And they really go the extra mile to do that. So I really applaud our foster families that are listening. Thank you for for doing, for God calling you to do that work. I'm so glad that you do it. I have a three circles that I want you to imagine that they're all um, uh, interlocking and um, they all overlap. And I want you to think of mentally, physically, and spiritually, those three circles, how they all intersect. And when we impact uh, children or our friends with mediation, we are impacting them mentally, physically, and spiritually. So let's start with mentally. When we're a good mediator, then this child is going to feel that they are worthy and that they are respected. And if they have a sense of belonging, that is really, really going to help them feel that they're worthy, especially kiddos that have had a lot of struggles with academics or maybe they're ADHD. And so they've always been bouncing around a lot and really struggled with making friends or with being able to focus. And so if somebody slows down the process and really brings mediation to the table with this child, one of the outcomes that you're going to get is the child is going to feel worthy and respected. Now let's move to the circle that intersects with that, and it's physical. So this one really fascinated um, with me. Um, Pascal Losambi gave some, he's a fabulous um it's Dr. Losambi, and I got to hear him lecture several times. And he talked about how physically our our bodies are flooded with a neurotransmitter called oxytocin. Oxytocin is what is also known as the love hormone. When you fall in love with someone, your brain is being bathed in oxytocin. You're going, whoa, I really like her. Or, mm-hmm, she is the one for me. Or this is the guy I think I want to marry. So when we fall in love, we get oxytocin. Well, I knew that. And then I also knew that a woman who is pregnant her brain is being bathed in oxytocin, getting her ready to passionately love that 
baby boy or baby girl when it's born. But Dr. Losambe talked about another time oxytocin is released. This is when you know that you have been heard in a conversation. You actually have a sense of feeling loved. You're physically being impacted by the fact that this person seems to care enough to listen to you. Now, that can be also manipulative. So somebody can act like they care about you because they're going to manipulate you. So you still have to be wise with what's this person's goals and why are they why are they listening to me so well? Why do I feel so good about this person? Is it because they truly care about me and they're a good listener or is it because they're trying to manipulate me and wow I, I I'm not going to get it go into the difference of that with that if you think that's happening to you you need good counseling you need a good psychologist and and somebody who understands uh, why are you getting manipulated so that's another topic and I I'm I'm gonna only stay on the positive side of this but I do want to mention you got to be aware of that I think of the thousands of children that I've met in my lifetime and how I've met many that don't think anybody hears them they are living an existence and they they don't know if anyone really cares. It, does anybody really have a connection with them that they care enough to sit down and actually listen to them? So I thought that was fascinating. And I think that explains why mediation can be so powerful. It's because when you're a good mediator, you're, you're a good listener and you know how to ask really good questions so that someone wants to answer and they do feel, feel that they're heard. As humans, we have been wired to be a part of, I talked about it in the last episode, how Reuven felt like this idea of sharing was so important to social connection. And this one is the ultimate of that is this sense of, I belong here. I belong here. I'm a part of this. So that's mentally, I feel respected and worthy. Physically, I'm heard, I'm loved, I feel connected. And then spiritually, we're going beyond both of those to the sense of transcendence that we had an episode on that in the very beginning, is that it's beyond the here and now. It's not just about what's happening in our conversation right here today, but I'm going to be a different person after today because we've had this conversation because you have spoken into my life Kibway and hopefully I've spoken into your life there's trans there's transcendence beyond just this little podcast that we're talking about this topic and so these three circles that all intersect to me help illustrate the power that mediation has Reuven was really going after of human interaction and the process of two people having a friendship, having a teacher-student relationship, uh, a husband-wife relationship, siblings, brothers and sisters, how close we can become and how that relationship can transcend just the immediate task that we're both working on is that I can walk away from this and be different. 
Um, Rick and I like to use the phrase, wow, that you have really spoken into my life. And, and so we hope that, that when we walk away from a conversation that we have spoken into that person's life, that it isn't just about uh, that, that word I call chit-chat when we're just talking about the weather and how things are going, but that we're, we're going to have a conversation that transcends the here and now. I tell parents <laughs> and teachers the same thing. If you're the adult in the room, you bear a lot of responsibility. So if you're the parent, you got to put your parent pants on <laughs> and you got to make sure that every child that is in your home has this sense of belonging, that you're glad they're there and you may literally need to verbalize it. Because maybe they have never been told. Maybe no one has never said to them, I'm so glad you're a part of this family. I'm so glad that you belong to us. Because we kind of, adults, go under the assumption, well, I'm showing it. I give this kid food and water and I look, I, I gave him a new bicycle and he's got great clothes and I drive him all over to where he needs to go. So he should know I love him. Well, have you told him? <laughs> so sometimes we forget to verbalize and this word belonging. And also, let me give you an example, I, that word safe that you've used. I had a few children at my school who came from homes where there was quite a bit of drama and or trauma going on. And they would come to school and they were still in a heightened sense of fear. And so I learned to take them outside the school door and I would show them the threshold. I go, we're going to open the door now. And do you see that line right there? It's called a threshold. You and I are going to step over it together. And I want you to know I'm with you. And we're going to step into the school. Let's do it. Here we go. And we'd step into the school and I'd turn to him and I'd say, I want you to know you are in a safe place. School is safe. There is always going to be a teacher probably within 10 feet of any place you're at. And so know that you're going to be safe here. So we had to go out of our way with some of these kiddos to make sure that they were safe, particularly if they'd had some uh, trauma in their lifetime. But the teachers were really good at that, keeping an eye on them and making sure. But that little, it was a bit of a ritual uh, to step across the threshold and know now I am in a safe place. So there may be families that have to reestablish that if there's been some trauma or drama. And the spoken word is very powerful. Uh, and maybe it needs to be written. Uh, my family loves me. This is a safe place. I'm glad I belong to this family. Uh, things like that in writing uh, could be very helpful as well, coming from a mother or a father to a child. So those are some ideas I think that you could use, listeners. If you've got somebody in your life who feels they, they don't belong, first watch them and see if you think that could be it. And then use those beautiful words that affirm that they do belong. I have a, a little surprise for our listeners. 
I'm writing a book that's called Build a Brain. I have all of the input cognitive functions finished. So I feel like, okay, I can finally tell our listeners, I'm going to try and put all of this stuff Kibway and I've been talking about into a book and it's not going to be a scholarly research with, you know, a lot of big words. I'm writing it for anybody to read. One of my goals in life after I found the work of Reuven Feuerstein was to be able to make it accessible to anyone. Whether you're a parent or you're a a teenager who just says, I want my brain to work better, that there would be a book that you could read. So I'm trying to make Build a Brain for everyone. So those of you that want all of the scholarly, scientific brain stuff, you're not going to get it in this book, but I can direct you. I'll have a chapter of resources at the end where you can go to to, to find some of the, the scholarly research. But this is just going to be kind of a fun guide to go along with the podcast. Well, friends, it has been so fun to be with you. And Kibway and I have had an absolute... A delightful time being with you on all 44 podcasts. We're going to shift gears a little bit. So watch, there's going to be a podcast that's going to explain what's happening with season three coming your way soon. So Kibway, can I just say thank you for all the work you have given to make Build a Brain happen. Until we see each other again. Take care, my friends. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Build a Brain podcast. If you're wanting to know more information on how to build a brain, please visit the website for the MindCap Center in Fort Wayne, Indiana at www.mind-cap.org. That's www.mind-cap.org. Children and adults from across the United States and Canada have found the cognitive help they needed at the MindCap Center. The specialized team is trained in all levels of the Feuerstein program and can literally help you or your child build a better brain. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time.